Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your daily dose of news, politics, and culture in Chicago and beyond. Joe Troman is best known as the lead guitarist for Chicago hometown heroes, Fall Out Boy. But he's also the author of a new autobiography, None of This Rocks. It's a book about relationships from the one he had with his late mother to his bandmates and even his connection to his own mental health. Joe also writes about his journey to becoming a professional guitarist and finding his calling early in life in Chicago's hardcore scene. Joe joins us now. Thanks for having me. So not only are you the guitarist for Fall Out Boy, but... You also grew up in Winnetka. So what was it like being young and and discovering the punk scene here in Chicago? It was interesting. I moved to Winnetka from a rural-ish part of Ohio. So that in itself was a culture shock. Uh, That's where I got into punk rock, though Mm -hmm. there wasn't a scene (laughs) in rural Ohio. Plus, I was a kid. So there wasn't a scene to go to, even if, well, even if there had been, I was too young to go to it. Um, When I got to Winnetka, wasn't uh, having a good go of finding connections with other people. I made a couple friends here and there, but the ones that I did make uh, were going to shows in uh, Chicago, mainly at the Fireside Bowl, uh, which doesn't have shows anymore, unfortunately, as far mm-hmm. as I know. But that used to be a nice, dingy, dirty kind of uh, Chicago CBGBs type of venue. And I used to just go down there as much as I could, uh, taking the L Uh my parents would allow me at 14, 15 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, I just made tons of friends there, even though I was the baby of the group. Uh, they welcomed me in and that kind of became my community more than uh, Winnetka ever was. Yeah. Well, you know, getting into your book here, I think when people hear that there's going to be an autobiography by a successful rock musician, they're thinking, okay, it's going to be full of wild stories, Sure, lots of backstage debauchery, but this is not that book, right? It is not that book at all, uh, hence the title. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's interesting. When I started writing it, um, and my literary manager, he's the one who suggested I write a book, which then I said, you gross, I should not be writing a book. No one wants to hear that for me. And then he said, well, fine, I don't think you can write a book. And I said, oh, screw you, man. I can totally write a book. <laughs> challenge you know? accepted. Uh, yeah, challenge accepted. <laughs> Uh, And when I first started jotting down chapters or what would be chapters, um, I went immediately into my childhood. I didn't even think about crazy stories. And I'm not sure our stories, the Fall Out Boy stories, are the same as the Led Zeppelin stories, the Motley Crue stories. Uh, We came up at a different time in the early aughts where... I think that kind of debauchery wasn't really cool anymore. Yeah. It stopped being cool. It wasn't the thing. And not it's not to say that there weren't struggles with drug addiction. I talk about that in my book. Um, and I know other people have theirs. And it's not to say that there weren't consensual and non-consensual relations. I'm not going to, you know, get too into that stuff either. Um, it just wasn't the prevalent thing. Yeah. So um, it didn't feel like I should be, I, like, I didn't feel like I should be, digging deep for that stuff just to tick a rock and roll memoir box. I really right. was approaching this 
in sort of a journalistic way, not journalist, sorry, in a <laughs> not journalistic way, right. in a writing a journal way. Um, I was really journaling at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, each chapter may not flow directly into the other, though they're related to one another. Yeah, no, I get you. So to your point, I mean, you're you're very open in the book. You're vulnerable. You're talking about difficult subjects, as you mentioned, uh, a drug addiction, but you're also talking about your struggles with mental health. You're talking about dealing uh, with bullies, your relationship with your mom who suffered from mental illness. How did it feel to to be brutally honest in this book? It's weird. It felt totally normal when writing it, though parts were very easy. Parts were very hard. I mean, and the hard parts were um, sometimes traumatic because it just meant I would have to, in a way, relive those moments through writing them. Um, but I'm so used to being open and honest with everybody that it didn't I, I didn't really like bat an eye at the idea mm-hmm. um, when it came closer to release date and I was doing press for the book. And then the book actually came out. The reality that I let so much information out there kind of hit me uh, like a ton of bricks. But that being said, um, I'm not embarrassed about any of it. And my goal in writing about myself, it's a little bit to get demons out, but it's also in hopes that people will be able to relate to my stories and find some comfort and solace in them and feel less alone, less alienated. Yeah. So... I want to dig a bit more into your relationship with your mother, right? Because you you get pretty specific in the book. You have memories of her pushing you away when you tried to give her a hug or (laughs) moments where you wondered whether she even loved you, right? So I I wonder how old you were when you were actually able to tie some of that behavior to her mental illness. Like, Did did that understanding come once you were an adult? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean... When you're so, I knew there was something wrong when I was pretty young. I mean, kindergarten, maybe, maybe first grade is when I started wondering why my mother was not like the nice mothers. Um, and uh, my dad, who is a uh, cardiologist, so he's a doctor, my entire life would try to explain in the best he could that she was sick, and I had to try my best to understand that and put it into context. Um, but that context is pretty limited when you're a child. As I got older, I started struggling with my own mental illness. I still did not make the connection because I, you know, I was diagnosed, uh, as clinically depressed, uh, honestly, like around 10. Mm-hmm. So still too young to really make those connections. Right. It wasn't until I was in my twenties where I started to feel, bad for her and I also started to feel that maybe this wasn't so much her fault that she wasn't so in control even though it it didn't um you know it it didn't mean what happened didn't happen Mm -hmm. you know those things happened uh she did them nobody else did them uh you know she caused the damage she caused but you know, in my 20s, I started to really realize maybe she wasn't in control. And then all the things my father said over the years clicked. And then when I became a father, which was, um, I got closer to the time that she was diagnosed uh, terminally ill is when I really understood uh, how hard it must have been for her. Yeah. Uh, understood to the be- to the best of my ability. Tell me more about that, because you, you're a father, you've got daughters. 
I do. How how is that? Inf- how is what you went through with your mother influencing the type of dad you are to them? Uh, well, my hope is that I'm not anything like she was. Uh, that's the first uh, first lesson for me. Lots of love, lots of affection, as much as they want. Uh, I'm not going to force it on them. I'm not going to do the polar opposite, what she did. Um, but yeah, I just, um, there was so much distance, so much judgment. Uh, my mother would joke with me as if I were like a peer and in a dark, dismal, uh, put down manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never want to do that with my kids. They're children. They're not, uh, they're definitely not in their thirties and ready to, uh, I don't know, joke around like adults. So I'm not going to do that with them. Uh, I'm going to treat them like children and I'm going to be patient and kind and loving and just, you know, you can learn a lot of lessons from uh, parents that drop the ball. You know, you can learn what not to do. And that's really what I have learned. Yeah. You include some happy moments though, in the book, you talk about watching horror movies together and finally, you know, connecting more in her later years. Um, you even allude to letting out some of your pent up aggression while on stage. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to know where the damage ends and the mental illness begins with me and probably with anybody, but between that kind of like broken home element that I had and my own mental struggles, Um, I didn't have a significant amount of outlets. Yes, I was going to therapy intermittently, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't as committed as I am as an adult to my weekly therapy. Um, So when I found not just, well, I started with hardcore music because I'd go to these shows and, you know, the mosh pits, we just call them the pits. Yeah. uh, They, uh, you know, people just beat the hell out of each other in those things. Um, And that it wasn't done um, in a hateful manner. It was just part and parcel of the uh, the scene. And I think we were all getting out various forms of pain and aggression uh, through that. And then I continued uh, through Fall Out Boy when we first started kind of playing. And for many years after, when I would just thrash my body around on stage, yeah. it was almost like performing an exorcism on myself. <laughs> Every (laughs) every single show. I mean, I damaged my body terribly. It sounds painful. It was painful, but it was fun to watch. I think you know, it was a production before we had money for lights and video screens and all of that fun stuff um, to do all the work for us. Yeah. So yeah, I would uh, thrash my body around on stage, um, and it felt good at the time. Felt bad afterwards. Felt good at the time. Right. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking with Fall Out Boy, Boy guitarist Joe Troman, and we're discussing his new autobiography, None of This Rocks. In the book, Joe, you're you're honest about the ups and downs of being in that band, which is uh, probably something that fans didn't know about. How do you navigate that fan perception of, of how Fall Out Boy works versus what you actually lived, the reality? Well, I think... And this is just what I think, that the fan perception is that we're uh, four best buds that share one big bed together and do ever- and share pizza together. And we just uh, are never apart. And we're always lovey-dovey. And, you know, 
here's the reality. And we are friends, by the way. Let me just make that clear. We don't hate each other. Okay. But, <laughs> um, you know, think about if you started your career at 17 years old and then like almost 22 years later, you were working that same job with the exact same people. You might just uh, at times get sick of those people, let's just say. And so um, that is just a reality of being in a band for a long time. I mean, you know, plenty of bands have their stories about altercations over the years. Um, we've been really good about trying to keep the ship together. Yeah. We've we've had our fights, but nothing that has obviously broken up the band. I mean, we did take a four-year break, but that was due to um, playing over 200 shows a year for mm -hmm. many years and just burning us out as human beings. Um, yeah, that was back in 2009, right? When you started your hiatus? That was when we started the hiatus, yeah, where everyone was like, that's not a hiatus, you guys broke up. And I'm like, oh, it's news to me. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't remember breaking up. But um, in the book, I talk a lot about personally the way I poorly handled myself within the band as a child. Because again, I was a teenager when I started the band and I was a teenager for years. And even in your early 20s, early to mid, you're still just kind of a child. Um, you're barely an adult, even though legally you're an adult. Um, yeah. You barely are in reality, mentally. So I, it took me a while to find my identity and I was doing it while the band was uh really like propelled into success into the mainstream into the major label music industry mm -hmm. um and i had a difficult time because i wasn't maybe like the strongest songwriter um i brought bits and pieces there but i wanted more I'll, and, and instead of uh working to be better yeah. i kicked and screamed <laughs> about why i wasn't getting more um, very childish. And uh, yeah, it took me many years to A, get past that and B, just put, you know, time and effort into the craft, but also to like be able to step away from it and reflect upon it and go, well, that was a, a really legitimately terrible way to act. Mm. I want to go briefly back to uh, an earlier time. This is the earlier days of DIY tours. Let's listen to Chicago is so two years ago. But there's a when you come back to Chicago, Joe, how, how does it feel? Is the city different now, or are you still seeing reminders of that that time when you were a young musician? I love Chicago. Uh, it feels like home, even though I haven't lived there in, oh my God. Is it like 17 years, maybe a little longer, but yeah. right around there. Um, I still have a lot of friends that I try to keep in contact with and see when I'm there, though it's hard because I'm not there for very long. My father doesn't live there anymore. He moved to back to Ohio, but a different area. Uh, my brother actually also lives in Ohio, so yeah. I have no family in Chicago anymore. Yet, it still feels like home. Yeah, It's such a wonderful city. Well, you Chicago know, you loves talk, you. <laughs> well, we love Chicago. I mean, uh, we still, as a band, consider the city our home base, even if we're not physically there anymore. Yeah. And, you know, like I talk to anybody who's not from Chicago who visits it, and they just 
enjoy it their trip every time you know it's such an it's i mean like listen the city has its problems like any city but it's such an easy one to just take in and enjoy um honestly if it weren't for <laughs> yeah the weather <laughs> i'd probably move back <laughs> well we'd have you back any day uh, i want to go out on another fallout boy song this is a song that you mentioned features your riffs it's called seven minutes in heaven This episode of Reset was produced by Haima de Medici. It was edited by Ethan Schwab. Like hearing from musicians like Joe Troman? Then subscribe to our podcast and hear all our great interviews with musicians from Chicago and across the world. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating. That really helps more listeners find us. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.